From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. We are going to do our week in review. One day late, but hey, better late than never. Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. Twitter has been off the off the hook lately. <laughs> Did you guys see uh, the whole Hunter Biden laptop thread release yesterday? I want your opinion on it. Matthew and at Decrypt.co. Some people, if you're on the right, you're saying that this is, you know, explosive news. This is showing an inside scandal. This is absolutely suppression of freedom of speech and journalism. And then the left are saying, like, this is a big nothing burger. We shouldn't even be talking about this. And if you're on the left, you're like, hey, what about ISM? What about Jared Kushner receiving $2 billion from Saudi Arabia or something? And then there's the people that are just eating popcorn, loving the drama. <laughs> what do you think about all of this? Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. What do you think about the whole Hunter Biden laptop, Twitter, suppression, censorship, First Amendment, right versus left versus middle versus... Uh, voyeurs, let me know what you think about the whole situation. Again, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. And don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, and leave us a great comment. It's great feedback for people to read and go, hey, I'll check out this show. Now, let's get into those crypto prices. The time is 8.47 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $16,970, up a half a percent in 24. Ethereum is at $1,272, down a little bit from yesterday. Tether's number three, BNB, is at $291, up a little bit from yesterday. They're all up and down, probably about 0.3%. So honestly, I think it's actually the same price as we read yesterday. Anyway, number five is USDC. Running off the top 10, we have BUSD, XRP, Dogecoin, Cardano, and Matic. The total market cap is at $855.2 billion. It's up a half a percent in 24. We have a BTC dominance, exactly the same from yesterday, at 38.1. And an F dominance at 18.2. Moving into our week in review. On Monday, we heard that Japan's Line messaging app is shutting down its U.S. exchange, Bitfront. And this is an effort to focus on new blockchain ventures. The messaging company said in a notice to customers that new signups have been suspended as of Monday. And services will slowly be turned off over the next four months. If you didn't know, which this was all news to me, Line, which runs the Line blockchain system and the Link ticker LN token, They said that this decision is because they wanted to focus on these other projects and has nothing to do with the FTX debacle. And, well, this was all news to me that they even had a blockchain and a token. Maybe I missed something big, but I don't think so. Also on Monday that we heard about the crypto community going to search for Sam Bankman-Fried in the Bahamas. People like BitBoy went down there and, well, just a real quick uh, rant about BitBoy. 
He does a lot of things for the clicks, the retweets, the likes, the impressions. And it's interesting because we have this homogenization of incentives via these social media. So no matter who you are, if you're an actual journalist, if you are a company, if you are a person like BitBoy or an influencer or whatever you want to call yourself, these incentives are aligning. So you're vying for attention. You're vying for uh, you know, retweets, you're vying for engagement. And it's interesting that all these incentives are the same now. And we are seeing who is trying to fight the hardest for these incentives. And what's hurting is the actual incentives that they should be working for. Anyway, I don't know why I just went off on that weird tangent. But I think you can know what I'm saying. Matthew on a if you don't. As well as BitBoy and his boys flying down to the Bahamas, we heard that YouTuber Gabriel Hines successfully crowdfunded $10,000 to fly him down to the Bahamas. Haynes told Decrypt that he's currently on his way to the island, and while he isn't confident that he'll be able to find Sam, I want to make some good, fun contact for people to enjoy. People have lost a lot of money in this, he says, and I've gotten so many messages from people how they felt much better from watching my videos about Sam McMafried and the whole collapse. Moving into Tuesday, we started off Tuesday with some bittersweet news. We heard that investment in emerging technologies fell for its third consecutive quarter. In Q1 this year, we heard that investment was around $6.9 billion dollars. And right now, Q3, investments around $4.7 billion, or down 32%. However, here's the suite of the bitter suite. Web3 and DeFi projects are still the largest area of investment in emerging tech, beating out fintech and biotech. In the third quarter, the investments into Web3 and DeFi was around $879 million. Also on Tuesday, we heard that BlockFi is suing Sam Bankman-Fried to obtain the shares of Robinhood that he allegedly pledged to the company as collateral earlier this month. As we know, Sam is a 7.6% stakeholder in Robinhood that he bought back in May. That purchase was around $600 million at the time. These assets were pledged to BlockFi under terms of an agreement made on November 9th, according to the filing. And finally on Tuesday, we heard that Kraken has settled with the Office of the Foreign Assets Control agreeing to pay $362,158.70 for violations of sanctions against Iran. The agency wrote this, due to Kraken's failure to timely implement appropriate geolocation tools, including an automated IP address blocking system, Kraken exported services to users who appeared to be in Iran when they engaged in virtual currency transactions on Kraken's platform. They said that from October 14th of 2015 to June 29th of 2019, Kraken processed 826 transactions for Iranian nationals, totaling approximately $1.68 million. On Wednesday, we heard that Sam Bankman-Fried hid Republicans' donations so that the media wouldn't, in quote, freak the fuck out. He said, I donated the same amount to both parties. And this is in relation to everybody knowing and it being very public that Sam donated to Democrats. In 2020, Sam Bankman-Fried was one of the largest donors to the now president, Joe Biden, with $5.2 million from FTX US and $6.2 million from Alameda Research. Bankman said this in quote, all my Republican donations were dark. In practice, no one can fathom the idea that someone actually gave dark money. Bingman says he donated dark money to avoid public scrutiny and have reporters freak the F out if you donate to Republicans, calling them super liberal and saying he didn't want to have that fight. Also, he tried to clear the air on the rumors that FTX helped Ukraine launder money for the Democratic Party. He said that there's no evidence to support that claim that Ukraine invested in or gave money to FTX. Sam continued to say, I wish I was a part of an international conspiracy that interesting. 
On Thursday, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said in a speech that December would likely bring smaller interest rate hikes. So 75 basis points, no, no. 100 basis points, no, no. Everybody's expecting that it's going to be around 50 basis points. Still up, but less. Also on Thursday, in the now infamous DealBook Summit, an annual event hosted by the New York Times and moderated by Andrew Ross Sorkin, an award-winning journalist, CNBC anchor, and the author of Too Big to Fail, interviewed Sam Bankman-Fried. As CoffeeZilla tweeted, and I'm paraphrasing, Sam put on a bullshit masterclass for the New York Times. So what did Sam say during this interview? On regulation, he said, there's a bunch of bullshit that regulated companies do to try to look good, adding that FTX was engaged in cultivating a favorable public image similar to that to larger companies. On philanthropy, he said, my donations were mostly for pandemic prevention. And, of course, he addressed donating to both sides of the aisle, as he was not viewing donations as a partisan exercise. Sam was also asked questions about funds he gave to different media companies, and whether he was giving that money to them for preferential treatment in the press. He said, I was looking to support journalists doing great work because I think what they do is really important. He said that I think it's healthy for the world that there is real investigative journalism. On real estate in Bahamas, it was not intended to be their long-term property, Sam said about his parents' property in the Bahamas, and I don't know how that was paid for. And a quick side note, that house that they bought that they weren't going to stay in for long-term was $16.2 million. It's a monster luxury house. And I don't know if it's me. I know that you're, if you're rich, maybe you have different conversations or and everybody has different dynamics in their family. But if it was me and my mom or dad or parents or whatever bought a $16.2 million house, I'd say, oh, that's cool. Congratulations. What did you do? Did you sell X stock? Did you make X investment? Did you get a new client? I would absolutely have that conversation, not just go, oh, I guess they just bought a $16.2 million house. Like, that makes no sense. Anyway, on his amphetamine use, he said, I've been prescribed various things at various times to help with concentration. I wish I had been more focused over the past year. On how much money is left, he said, I don't have any hidden funds, adding that he only has about $100,000 in his bank account. He said he put everything into FTX. And finally, on whether he's ever lied, he said, there are certainly times I acted as a marketer for FTX. Moving on, Thursday was a busy news day. The company behind blockchain publishing platform, LBRY Library, wrote its own obituary after it lost a fight with the SEC. Library CEO Jeremy Kaufman told Decrypt that the company didn't have the exact figure for the SEC fine, but said that the SEC was pushing for about $20 million in penalties. Basically, what happened was the SEC said that they were selling unregistered securities and, well, they lost that battle. Kaufman, obviously not happy with this, said that the SEC is very much demonstrated that they're out to damage or destroy the cryptocurrency industry in the United States. Also on Thursday, Telegram announced plans to build a decentralized crypto exchange following the FTX failure. The CEO of Telegram announced that the company would begin building a non-custodial wallet and decentralized exchanges that would let millions of users safely trade their crypto. This is a way we can fix the wrongs caused by the excessive centralization which let down hundreds of thousands of cryptocurrency users. And in one of my favorite quotes in this whole debacle was from Charles Hoskinson. He says, the failures we're having aren't failures of protocols, aren't failures of DeFi. They're failures of trust. They're failures of regulation. They're failures of people. And finally, on Thursday, mass layoffs continue to plague the crypto industry and actually all industries. 
San Francisco-based crypto exchange Kraken announced that they're cutting 1,100 employees and reducing its staff by 30%. Jesse Powell, the CEO of Kraken, said, the outgoing CEO of Kraken, by the way, said, since the start of this year, macroeconomic and geopolitical factors have weighed on financial markets. This resulted in significantly lower trade volumes and fewer client signups. We responded by slowing hiring efforts and avoiding large marketing commitments. Negative influences on the financial market have continued and we have exhausted preferable options for bringing costs in line with demand. One thing of note, and I think this is very generous and I want to say good job to Kraken, they're giving departing employees 16 weeks of severance pay, performance bonuses to some people who qualify, healthcare for those 16 weeks, and other benefits. So sometimes you just got to downsize, but I'm really happy it's not like two weeks and get out. (laughs) It's 16 weeks. It's a hard market. Good on you for giving them enough money and enough, I think, uh, leeway or slack in the rope to go find other work. And finally, we heard that Coinbase's iOS app no longer supports NFT transactions because of Apple's new policies on NFTs. These new policies were announced in October. Coinbase's wallet tweeted this. You might have noticed you can't send NFTs on Coinbase Wallet iOS anymore. This is because Apple blocked our last app release until we disabled the feature. Coinbase then tweeted, Apple's claim is that the gas fee required to send NFTs need to be paid through their in-app purchase system so that they can collect 30% of gas fees. Anyone who understands how NFTs and blockchains work, this is clearly not possible. Apple's proprietary in-app purchase system does not support crypto, so we can't comply even if we tried. Coinbase said that it hopes the decision was simply an oversight and that it can be discussed further. And there you have it. There was our Week in Review, everything I deemed super important for this week's review. If you wanted to hear the full episodes, obviously, go back to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. Also, all the links are in show notes from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. And I'll be back on Monday. And until then, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>